Hello, and welcome to the Parents of Alpha Kid podcast from Surviving to Thriving in Your Household. My name is Gene Schwelin. Next to me, as always, my beautiful bride, Dr. Sonia Schwelin. And we have a very special guest today. We're so excited, Dr. Woolley. Dr. Chelsea Rooley, she is part of our Next Steps team, and she is going to give us some insight on a lot of experience she has. We're going to have a two-part episode, two weeks in a row, talking about incarcerated parents, the effect it has on kids, the families, and whatnot. Today, we're going to talk about counseling the incarcerated uh, parent, keeping the child connected uh, with the incarcerated parent, and then also what kids will face with having an incarcerated parent. So definitely a tough subject. Um you know, and, and what's unbelievable out there when we were when I was doing some research about this topic is that there's a 77% increase of children with fathers in prison from 2000 and I want to say actually from 1991 to 2007. So even from that, and that's a few years ago, obviously, but that increase alone is just uh, astonishing. Uh, currently, there's about 1.7 million uh, parents that are incarcerated. Uh, that's in prison. That's not kind of the jail system, which is a lot higher, um, which is about 2% of the population. So there's, there's a lot of children and families facing this, this, uh, you know, incarceration. So it affects a lot of people. It sure does. Um, so just a little background about me. Um, I've recently joined the Next Steps team, which I'm very excited about. Um, but I've been working in a correctional setting before I came to Next Steps um, for about nine years. And my primary job there was in um, counseling incarcerated individuals. Um, so, and those were adults, um, mostly males. Um, so that's been my experience. And uh, one of the topics that comes up all the time is, you know, them being a father and how do they deal with being a father in prison? So, um, you know, today I'm just going to kind of talk about some of those aspects on how I have helped counsel some of those people um, in that situation and also the flip side of what the kids might experience. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, you know, and there's a lot of women also. Um, there's been a big increase of women incarcerated that also are, are parents as well. Um, and it's really tough because when I was growing up, one of my best friends in high school, he was a little bit younger than I was, but his father's incarcerated and really for life. So not mm -hmm. going to have a chance of parole and whatnot. And um, just being a friend to him and seeing some of his struggles really had a big impact on me. I mean, he was always out there trying to prove something like he had something to prove. You could see definitely some different uh, qualities that he was going through. Um, his mom, you could tell that she was trying to be the father figure as well. Uh, she had to be, um, but he pretty much got away with anything he wanted to do, and, and there was definitely some some things he was, you know, definitely always always pushing that envelope. I'd say so. Yeah, it's a complex thing when a, a parent goes to prison. It weighs on obviously the parent in prison, but the caregivers at home and the kids. It, it affects the whole family in so many different ways. So it is very. It can be very disruptive. Well, we're really glad that you're here because I can tell that you have so much to share with us today, um, and I think we should dive in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, I'm just going to, I guess, start with kind of what I see and what the inmates kind of experience, um, because part of what I used to do is, um, you know, counsel these incarcerated dads, and when inmates come into prison, um, I think we can all kind of assume that, you know, it's a shock, right? Especially if they've never been in prison before. And it's, you know, if you think about it, you're taking a person who was out there 
you know, living their life. And you take all that away from them and you put them in this setting, in this correctional setting. And for people who've never been to prison, that is very jarring. All of a sudden, they have so much less control over their lives. Um, there's so much more uncertainty. Um, they don't know what's going to happen with their family dynamics. They don't know what's going to happen with their kids. They don't know if their relationship's going to continue. Um, on top of getting used to this new setting that most of them are very scared of. They think about the stuff you see on TV, and a lot of people are terrified when they first come into prison. Um, and so part of some of the things I do is kind of, you know, validate, normalize some of those fears. Cause some of, and some of those uncertainties about what life's gonna be like. Um, will their relationship continue? How will their kids do? Cause we don't know some of those things. And so kind of working with them on dealing with that uncertainty and um, dealing with that loss of control. And, um, you know, a lot of times they experience some adjustment issues, some depression, as you can imagine, um, some anxiety, um, and kind of just working through that with them, um, because it does take a while to adjust to coming to prison. I mean, that would make sense. I mean, everything you're saying about just kind of being plucked out of their life um, can be so jarring. I hear that. I can imagine that. Yeah, absolutely. And well, I, I think what you're doing right now is so important for like those out there listening to hear about just like building that empathy for the human being that's going through that process mm -hmm. rather than like some criminal going to prison, right? Right. Because um, that's so how it is in our society. There's that barrier there to almost even considering prisoners as people. It's like, oh, they were, you know, they're a criminal. They did something to get there. They deserved it. But, you know, when, when it when it comes down to it, that is a human being. That's someone's mom or dad, right? And there's a real life that's being affected by the change. Well, and there's numerous lives being affected. So even if they did something wrong that um, caused them to be in that situation, there's other people that are impacted as well. And, and sometimes there's decisions that are made that, you know, ill-advised, but we all make mistakes, right? So um, I have a question, um, and maybe you have a, a good answer, maybe you don't, but... Um, out of all the people that you canceled, how many of those are just like regular, normal people, great jobs? I mean, from a from a from a good background, because uh, we always hear about all the negative, you know. But mm -hmm. how many of these people are actually from a, from a good background? You know, you'd be surprised. Um, but yeah, I think those are the ones I probably saw the most because those are the ones that struggled the most. Um, that they may have had a standing in their community where you know people regarded them, you know. Um, and had so much respect for them, and they never thought they'd be in this situation. And they made decisions that led them to where they're at. And I think it's the most, it's the hardest on them. And so those are the people that I think we, um, as a psychologist in the prison system, I dealt with the most, because those were the ones that were really the most affected, the ones that um, had the you know, the biggest falls, I guess you might say. Um, they had the, you know, where they never expected this. And so it's more stigma that they're facing. Their families are more shocked. Um, and they, their families may not know kind of, what do I do now? I've never had this happen in my family before. Um, and so they are some of the ones that I've dealt with the most. Okay. 
Yeah, you know, when I was doing some research also, I, you know, there was a statistic that I received that showed that over 50% of mothers and fathers that are incarcerated in prison actually lived with at least one of the children that they had. Um, so there is a great impact. The children actually seeing the parent actually going away to prison, um, which can also be very difficult for the child. Yeah. It, yeah, definitely. So what do you usually do for parents that are in prison? I mean, how do you talk to them about continuing that relationship with their children? What are some of the things out there, you know, to our listeners that is important for them to consider when, when there's a parent who's been incarcerated? Um, you know, one of the things that I think plays a big role is kind of what the incarcerated uh, parents' role was in that family. So were they the financial person? Were they the fixer? Were they the emotional support? And trying to kind of work on that dynamic um, with the incarcerated individual um, and maybe shifting some of those dynamics um, so that they can still, maybe they can't financially contribute to their child anymore. Maybe they can't problem solve and fix all these things anymore. But there's other ways that they can connect with them so they can still have a good relationship. It just may look different now um, because the whole the whole scenario has shifted. Um, so some of the things I talk to them about is, um, well, first, what's their relationship with their with their child? Um, you know, it's a little bit easier when they've had a good relationship and they're coming into prison, and then it's just how do we adjust? But sometimes um, they don't have a good relationship with their children. Sometimes they had no relationship with their children. And I think sometimes, you know, people talk about, you know, inmates go to prison and they find God and as, as it's a, a superficial thing. But I think what happens is they finally get plucked out of an environment and they're taken away from so many different things. And then they start to really think what is important in life. And what are my priorities and what really matters? And so sometimes that's where, you know, they become more religious. They find God. Um, and then sometimes it's they want to connect more to their families and they want to connect more to their kids. And so, you know, dads who have never been a father figure are trying to figure out how to be a father figure in that environment is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, and so kind of working with them on where the relationship is um, and how to improve it. Um, one thing I do want to say, though, when I'm talking about a parent-child relationship, just like in any other setting, you know, we want to make sure the child's safe. Mm -hmm. So if the parent is an unsafe person, if... Um, you know, the child was a the victim of a, of a crime, anything like that. I'm not really talking about those individuals. Right. We're talking about, you know, um, people who are healthy for the child and how to connect um, the, the child and the um, inmate together in that situation. Good. I'm glad you said that. I mean, that's a important clarification. Yeah. Um, so one of the big things that I've seen that comes across is Sometimes the caregiver at home does not want the inmate to connect to the child. And that's the caregiver's right, you know, and that's their decision. Um, I encourage the inmate to talk to the caregiver, to co-parent at all times if possible, right? But if they decide, okay, 
we're not going to let you see your child anymore. We're not going to let you interact with your child anymore. That's when it gets a little tricky because eventually that child's going to grow up. And that inmate wants so badly to connect with them. Um, And so we talk about kind of some strategies that um, to help them deal with that, obviously, but also to maybe let them know by the time that they do have that relationship with their child that they were still thinking about them, that they were still an active part of their lives, even though they may not have been in communication. So some things I would encourage an inmate to do is like, you know, okay, if you send letters, they always come back. Or you send letters and you know they don't go to the child. Continue to write the letters. Continue to write the letters. Maybe keep yourself a copy or send it to, like, you know, a parent that will keep it. Because at some point in time, that relationship may happen. And for the child to know that you were thinking about them, that they were, st- they were still very important to you during that time, even though there was no communication, um, I think can be a big key to helping mend that relationship down the road. And that's hard. Um, you know, it's, it's not ideal for the parent or the kid, you know. But it's a way that the parent can still show and process and think about that connection and how important that is. So it's, it's like an outlet. You know, yeah. even though they know the letters aren't going anywhere yet, mm-hmm. it's something they can still utilize as a way to process their own experiences and feelings. And then eventually one day, hopefully be able to share those letters with their child. Exactly. So even some type of journaling could be very beneficial as well. Yeah, you know, because one thing that, that we all know is that kids are very curious and they always want to know who the other parent is. At some point in time, they're going to want to know. Um, kids carry a lot of, you know, shame as well. Is it something they did? Is it their fault? And mm-hmm. why did my parent not want to be a part of my life? And, you know, who knows what's said by the other parent, the caregiver. But, um, you know, that makes perfect sense. So it's it's kind of, so you, you have that isolation at times where the caregiver doesn't want the child to have any interaction. How many times did you see the actual incarcerated uh, parent maybe not want the kid or family to come see them because of the setting and not want them to experience that and be a part of that? That, that happened pretty regularly. Um, it's, it's hard because um, things like visitation can be difficult for the child. And um, there's a lot of layers um, to having that communication, whether it's written communication um, you know, or phone calls, but also when visits visits can be very difficult on kids. And so one thing I would always, um, if an inmate was like, you know, I don't ever want my kids to come, or the caregiver was like, I don't want my kids to come, I would always encourage them to have somebody who who does want to come. Come and see the process. Look at the process, see what the rules are, see what visitation looks like, and then they can make a judgment on how a child could handle that or couldn't handle that. Because there are going to be more rules, um, and the child may not understand some of those rules without a good preparation. Um, You know, are they allowed to hug? Is there, you know, now with COVID, sometimes there's barriers, you know, clear barriers, um, so there's no spreading of COVID. Um, They may not be able to take much into the visitation room to keep the child occupied. So there's all these different things that are difficult for children, um, but them, a child seeing a parent um, is another connection. It's, I think, an important connection. 
But again, you've got to judge where the child's at, what the relationship's like, what the setting's like. Because at the end of the day, protecting their child is key, is the most important thing. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of studies that show that, you know, kids that do not have fathers who are involved in any way whatsoever have a lot of psychosocial development uh, issues, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. Um, 54, 54% of kids in foster care um, have have been from a fatherless home, as an example. So that, that male figure, that male role, in any fashion, is going to be more beneficial than not. Yeah. And some of the things, I mean, it's just hard as an incarcerated parent to connect to the kids. So, you know, I give them little tips of, you know, why don't you guys watch a TV show together? Make sure that you are always watching the same TV show and then have a discussion about it. Maybe read the same book so that you are connecting on different levels instead of just having the 15-minute phone conversation that's like, how's your day, right? Instead, you know, talking about the chapter of the book that you just read or sending them pictures, asking them to send their pictures um, of drawings, um, doing tic-tac-toe back and forth. Things like that seem so small, but they create that connection. So it's not just this phone call where you got to kind of rush and try to get everything you can out of the kid um, in a quick way. Um, But having real meaningful things that you can get on their level with. And you can get creative, and um, depending on the child's age, you know, certain activities are better than others, obviously. But even at a toddler, sending pictures that you draw um, and things like that just help solidify some of that connection while they're in prison. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a toddler knowing, you know, like, Daddy made this picture for me mm-hmm. and I got it in the mail. I mean, that would right. be such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the special little moments that you get and the anticipation of the next letter, the, you know, what's going on. And um, that, that's that's really awesome. It, it, it's got to be so hard, obviously, um, as a kid and also as a parent to go through that. Um, what else do you have to share with <laughs> us? Um, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what kids will face with having an incarcerated parent. Um, as we've kind of talked about, some of these things are going to be obvious, but you know, when a parent goes away, it's confusing. Um, and there can be feelings of rejection, like the child's been left, um, some depression, some anxiety, some anger. You know, why is m- my parent continuing to pick, for example, drugs? over being at home with me. Um, And that can affect a child's self-esteem. And so many of those things can play such a role um, when a parent goes to prison. Um, Thinking also about the judicial system, you know, there's so many uh, parts of it. And so there are so many different disruptions or, you know, experiences that can be traumatic for a child. Um, for some people I've heard, you know, the, the parents under investigation for years and can you imagine being, knowing that you're under an investigation for years, that would be stressful on a parent that I am sure trickles down to the whole family. What's going to happen? What's going to end up with this? You know, when people are, um, arrested, that can be very traumatic 
children witness those type of things. It can change, you know, their perceptions about mom or dad. It can affect their perceptions about, you know, authority figures, the judicial system, things like that. And you've got, you know, if they have trials, all those different parts before we even get to the parent going to prison um, can really affect the child. And so kind of watching um, and working through and processing some of those things with children, I think is very key. Also, you know, talking about it, getting them in some uh, therapy is probably very beneficial um, because you've got all those different steps and then they go to prison. And so now mom or dad is gone for a significant amount of time. Sure. And so there's just all these different things that can impact the kids. And it's not just them, the mom and dad being gone. It's all these things that lead up to it. Yeah. And there's also, you know, potentially a lot of embarrassment, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, and where's my dad or where is your dad? How come your dad's never around? And you know, there's a lot of mean kids out there at times and bullying and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. um, having to face that school, right. um, dad's never at any of my events, you know, our mom's not ever at any of my events, you know, and, and other kids, you know, they, they, they notice, they ask questions and then you know, there's a lot of other, you know, things that can happen as well. Yeah. It sounds like there's just so many implications, right? And, you know, I heard you say getting your child into counseling is, is probably a really smart thing to do because there's really no way that you can ever be like proactive about all the things that could come up. This mm-hmm. is truly like a crisis that a family is going through and being uh, honestly responding to the crisis in the moment by providing therapy services or seeking out help not being afraid to talk about it and ask for that help. Because I can imagine, you know, a child dealing with all of that, but then so is the uh, the other parent. The other parent being so lost in it because it's happening to them too, you know, that their co-parent is incarcerated or the family has, you know, this great crisis that they're going through because of what's happened. Um, or having to just, except that, you know, parenting is a single parenting thing, right? Um, the parent, the other, the actual parent that is still home physically with the child is going through a lot too. And so yeah, I mean, all just I'm trying imagine. to say is it can be hard to even remember, right? To get the child services or mm-hmm. it takes a while to even think that through because of what the other parent is going through also. Yeah, I mean, the caregiver's going to have desperation at moments, resentment potentially, you know, a lot of fear. There's no financial stability anymore. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, things that can impact. And and we talk about how the parent and, 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 and where they're at, you know, and their stability and their mental health is so important. And if they're not there, the kid's impacted not just by the incident and the incarceration, but also the caregiver not being in a good place for, you know, for a long time. You know, one thing that I also think about is, uh, you know, I had a good friend that had a father also that was incarcerated for a long, long time and potentially going to be out on parole. Um, And they were quite a bit older. They were in their 20s, I believe, at the time. But um, with the parole, there was all types of interviews that had to be done and things that were going on. And where's that, uh, you know, parent going to live? They have to live with somebody. And usually it's going to be with a kid or, or, or if it's a younger kid, coming back into the family situation, what does that look like? What does that probably have to go through and all the things that's going to happen once they are out? I mean, there's so many things that happen even after uh, incarceration when there is parole available. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and that can be, I think, jarring to the children because I think there's almost a default of, okay, well, things are going to go back to the way they were. And lots of things change when people go to prison. Relationships change. People go through different things. And so um, I think working through that with the children of what is it going to look like? What is what is it going to look like when dad comes home? Is dad coming home? Is dad going to go live somewhere else? And so, you know, I think you make a really good point of release is not just like, okay, we're done. There's another process of, okay, now there's the parent is out of prison. What role do they play in the family now? How is that going to affect the, the child? Is, is dad going to come right back? back into the life like normal but dad's now been through a lot yeah or there's been a revelation and that was never a part of the child's life and all of a sudden through the prison system Mm -hmm. and realizing what they missed out on now this revelation has happened and now they want to be a part of the kid's life and the kid's like whoa hold on a second i don't even know you Mm -hmm. you know we've had some letter exchanges potentially or whatever not but you know this is this is different there's so. so many scenarios here i mean i'm thinking about even the the parent who's incarcerated because he put the child in danger and then he comes back and now mom is or he's released and mom is scared you know about this person contacting the family mm-hmm. and not knowing what to do once the person is released the mom's wants him back because she still has you know still loves him to death and whatnot and now there's so many I mean, scenarios right and, and, and let's be honest too there's i mean there is based on some of the research i did there is a lot of moms also incarcerated and that can just be uh, that's that can be just as worse for a child sometimes even just because it's different you know the mom typically is a nurturer and whatnot so he's doing all that nurturing um, you know, there's so many scenarios that can, that can go on here. Our mind, our wheels are turning. Yeah. <laughs> Help us reconcile <laughs> all of this for us, Dr. Willie. Well, <laughs> I will say, you know, I worked with, um, female inmates, um, for a few years. Um, and the thing that I noticed is, and this, what I feel is one of the saddest things is they had a lot less visits, um, because usually the women have that bigger role in the family, but they also have a bigger stigma when they go to prison. And what I tended to notice is the families tended to turn on, like to exclude them more than they did the men. And that they were judged more harshly for going to prison than the men inmates. And as, you know, with females who are most often the nurturer, um, who may have played that role in their family, and then now their family has said, you know, we don't want anything to do with you, that plays a bigger, uh, has, I think, a, a big impact on those individuals. Sure. Definitely a lot of dynamics there that, mm-hmm. can, that can play out, for sure. It, it's really tough, you know, I guess, you know, from, from what I'm hearing, it, it, it really sounds like, obviously, counseling therapy is, uh, is going to be a huge component um and really all the way around for the you know the parent that's incarcerated but also for the for the caregiver and also for any child that's involved i mean really working together and you know maybe even treating it like a divorce situation as in a, you know in a, in a way to where there still needs to be some involvement if it is safe um to where the kid still doesn't have to do with that because at the end of the day it's still always about the kid you know we want the kid to have the best opportunity to thrive going forward and and research has shown 
that parent involvement from mom and dad gives them the best uh, the, the best possibility in, in, in thriving and, and being successful. Mm-hmm. Now I have a question for you in your work um, with inmates. Were you ever approached by like community counselors who may have been doing the work with the caregiver or with the child, like on a release of information and saying, hey, you know, can we collaborate? Is that even a thing or? To be honest, I don't think I've ever had that instance come up. So so ultimately, an inmate being released, because I think you're going to talk about release mm-hmm. on this episode too, um, and all the considerations that, you know, need to be considered for reintegration Mm -hmm. into society into a family life and all of that um there are are there any programs for that is i mean like how does that work to be what i have seen primarily is the focus is on the inmate so there are often services set up for the inmate you know if they had a drug or alcohol problem to have um treatment as they leave um if they have other, you know, um, mental health issues, you know, having treatment kind of set up as they go. What I think I've seen that's lacking is that reintegration piece of how do we get this person, you know, who is safe um, back in this family dynamic that wants them back, right? And everybody kind of wants this family to come back together. But I don't really see a lot of the services offered for that. And it's just, well, we just got to fix the inmate and then put them back out there. Um, But as we've been talking about, it's much more complex than that. And one of the points that you made earlier about how it affects everybody, they talk about how the sentence, like the whole family's getting sentenced. It's not just the inmate. Yeah, sure. The caregivers, the child, everybody is carrying that sentence with that family member. And... Um, but the focus is always on the inmate and fixing the inmate as opposed to helping the inmate reintegrate into that family, which can ultimately help that inmate stay out of prison, mm-hmm. um, be a, you know, um, protective mem- factor. Right? Yeah. yeah. Have a reason to, you know, to, to be out there. Cause that's, that's, I was getting ready to say that myself is that what reason do they have to, you know, stay clean or do whatever else if if no one even wants them anymore and that you know reintegration in the family you know the other caregiver probably has i mean they're probably pissed at you know the other parent because of all they had to go through because they weren't here because they made a mistake and whatever not so no matter how much love there is um there's got to be a lot of obviously baggage that goes along with that that's got to be addressed obviously for successful family life yeah. And I would say, you know, saying that's a protective factor, it is. It's all, you know, it's motivation um, for some of these inmates to stay out of prison, mm-hmm. um, is to reconnect with their family and kind of mend some of those relationships. Um, but sometimes they're navigating that on their own. Uh, that's overwhelming. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine. And I don't know what the percentage is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research this and have it for next episode. But, um, I, I had it a long time ago when I was doing some empowered dad research, um, but there's a huge, huge percentage of incarcerated men um, that grew up in a single parent home and typically without the father. Um, so that lack of father being around plays a huge import, uh, plays a huge part in everything. I, just, I mentioned the foster care statistics earlier, but um, you see that even in the jail system, prison mm-hmm. system too. So. 
And I think for some inmates, that's a major concern is they see the cycle. They see this cycle happening, and now they're in it, and now they have a child at home. And so how do, how do I not let this affect my kid? How do I stop the cycle? And because most, you know, they want to stop the cycle. They don't want bad things for their, their children. They want their children to have a better life than them, which most parents strive to do. Um, but it's hard. It is a cycle. There's so many different dynamics on how end up how people end up in prison that are hard to break and hard to change. Um, and they feel very powerless once they're in prison to, to change that cycle. This is so interesting. I mean, it sounds like uh, such a need uh, in this population. Um, so what else are you going to touch on for, for today's episode um, with regard to parents in prison? Um, a couple of things I was just going to um, talk about on some of the things we can do, I think, to help the child who has an incarcerated parent. Some of the things that the caregivers can um, enact and, and help kind of provide for the child who may be struggling. We talked about counseling, but there's a couple of other things I would probably just give some tips on. Absolutely. Our parents love tips. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, so that's going to be our next episode, right? When we talk about really answering questions, um, how to talk to kids about answering questions, how to give them help, provide resources and all that. Yeah, so that's like really how to talk to them about it. But I think you're talking about just things to do in order to address the fact that there's a parent incarcerated. So counseling's one of them, but you right. had a few more tips. Yeah, too. I had I had a few more. Um, so we talked about you know counseling, setting up a you know a place where they can talk, um, but also having a, as many as supportive adults as you can get is really going to help. Um, if, especially, you know, if the incarcerated parent was a key to that child and to that family dynamic, you're going to need more help. You're going to need other supportive people that can be there, not only for the child, but for the caregiver. We, I think, you know, have talked about this several times, but the caregiver is going to be overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. It's overwhelming. Um, and, um, you know, we talked about financial hardships. There's all these different dynamics that they're having to deal with. So getting a support system of supportive adults to help the child is key. Expanding that social support system. Um, the other thing is providing as much stability. The child has had a major disruption. Somebody has left um, that family dynamic and is in a in prison. So providing as much stability, as much routine as you can is really going to help the child kind of get through it. It is going to be adjustment no matter what, but that can kind of help the child um, get through those periods of time. Anytime the child is feeling angry, sad, any of those emotions that pop up related to this is validating those things, acknowledging they're going to go through so many different emotions. And the more that you can validate and acknowledge those emotions, the more they're going to talk about it. And the, that's going to be helpful to get through. Um, remind them that they're not alone. You talked about all those statistics. There's so many kids that go through this. It's just nobody talks about it. Nobody um, talks about their, their parent being in prison, but there's a lot of kids that go through this. And for the kid to not 
feel alone. And so if there are like support groups and things like that, where the child can see, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other kids that go through this and they have, you know, navigated this. Um, and it's not just, uh, just them. And then the last thing I want to say is if you can get the child involved in activities, things like, um, you know, just like extracurricular activities or things that they can do. It just helps, as we know, like build problem solving and confidence and things like that will help them, I think, also kind of get through some of those um, harder times. So ultimately you're talking about, um, you know, uh, enhancing their protective factors around mm-hmm. their ch- around the kids as they're going through this crisis in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love all those tips. Yeah. Those are great tips. Team sports, band, places where they can feel like they have a home, another home, another, you know, they, where they, they can feel like they have other people that care about them as well and right. definitely helps build a lot of different values in kids. So I think that's a great segue into what we're going to talk about next week. So, I mean, those are tips for considering what kids are going through, how parents should respond whenever a parent does get incarcerated. And so then next week we're going to dig into that much deeper and talk about like, what do the conversations with your child actually look like? I think it would be great even to provide examples of validation. Cause you know, maybe people don't really know how to do that. Um, and, and really dig deeper. Yeah. And then maybe even, um, how to really provide some positive parenting with some of those tough questions kids may have and whatnot. It's real easy to be negative and, and whatnot, but how do we take, what's been what's been going on and and make it a learning experience in a way in a positive way so yeah just just take the worst and try to make the best out of it anyways and i'm gonna have some statistics that parents don't want to miss out on when it comes to single parent families and and fatherless homes and whatnot because these things we need to know about because they make a big difference even for those not incarcerated those affected by divorce and split ups and all those things it's all a big impact on children ultimately so Thank you for joining the Parents of Advocate podcast from Surviving to Thriving in Your Household. We look forward to seeing you again next week, part two.